You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. To the book of Numbers, chapter number 35. Numbers 35 today. And we've been, uh, many of us have been reading through the Bible. Uh, several of us are following a chronological plan. And so we, we're just coming through numbers, getting into Deuteronomy. And uh, so from time to time, about once a month here lately, I've been trying to preach a message out of the text that we're reading through, uh, just to kind of, uh, you know, relate and show some of these things. And today I want to preach out of Numbers, 30, uh, numbers 35. In June of 2005, there was a Navy SEAL by the name of Marcus Luttrell, along with three other Navy SEALs, they were tracking a Taliban leader in Afghanistan. Through a series of events, the team's cover was blown, and they were quickly surrounded by upwards to 100 Taliban hostiles. A helicopter soon arrived once they were figured out they were in trouble with reinforcements. Sadly, this uh, helicopter was shot down with an RPG by the Taliban. By the time the sun set on the, this disastrous day, 19 American soldiers, all special forces, were dead. Luttrell was presumed to be, be the 20th victim, but in spite of bullet wounds, a broken back, and rocks and shrapnel protruding from his legs, the seal survived. Unaware of the tragedy that befell the rescue operation, Luttrell caught, crawled seven miles through the mountains. And in spite of his wounds, he killed chasing Taliban with his rifle and grenades as he continued to evade capture. As the sun blazed down, the thirsty Luttrell licked the sweat off of his arms uh, for, moist, for hydration until he finally found a waterfall. Cool waters, he suddenly found himself surrounded once again by a band of local men. These men, however, proved to be more friend than foe. One of the men, Muhammad Gulab, assured Luttrell that they were not Taliban, and he and three others carried the wounded warrior back to their village of Sabray. Bound by a tribal code of honor known as uh, Pashtunwali, Gulab gave Luttrell food, water, and shelter. Although the Taliban encircled the village and threatened his family and neighbors if they didn't turn over the American, Gulab refused. For four days, Luttrell was shuttled among the houses and even into a cave to prevent his capture. Finally, Gulab's father traveled to a marine outpost with a note from Luttrell. The military launched a large combat search and rescue operation with warplanes and ground forces that attacked the Taliban fighters and brought home their missing man. As Gulab helped the limping seal to the waiting helicopter, an Air Force uh, pararescueman held out his outstretched arm to Luttrell and said, Welcome home, brother. Uh, and so many of you are familiar with this story from June 2005 and Marcus Luttrell. He wrote a book called Lone Survivor. But... This man was being chased by those who had already killed 19 of his fellow soldiers, and he was dragging and pushing and trying to get to a place of safety. And along the way, he was brought to a city of refuge. He was brought to a place to where the enemy was prevented from doing any harm to him. Now, in, I tell you that story because it just reminds me of the cities of refuge that we find in Numbers chapter number 35. 
In Numbers 30, 35 and verse number 9, the Bible says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When ye be come over Jordan into the land of Canaan, then ye shall appoint you cities to be cities of refuge for you, that the slayer may flee thither, which killeth any person at unawares. And they shall be unto you cities for refuge from the avenger. And the men that the, that the manslayer die not until he stand before the congregation in judgment. And of these cities which shall uh, give six shall ye have uh, for refuge, ye shall give three cities, verse 14, on this side Jordan, and three cities shall ye give in the land of Canaan, which shall be cities of refuge. These six cities shall be a refuge both for the children of Israel and for the stranger and for the sojourner among them, that everyone that killeth any person unawares may flee thither. Now, in this time, Israel did not have anything equivalent to our modern police system or a police force. If somebody was murdered, the members of the family or the clan saw that the murderer was, punishment, or was punished for the murder. However, God made a provision if it was an accidental murder, if it was manslaughter. By the way, it's an amazing thing when you look at a, our system of law and you, you find how much of our system of law in the United States is based on uh, many of these principles that we find in the Bible's civil law. But if it was manslaughter, not murder, uh, it would be wrong to make this man pay with his life so God ordained six cities that somebody that was guilty of manslaughter could run to for refuge. And there he could present his case to the elders who would hear him uh, and witness what he said. If they thought he was guilty of murder, they would turn him over to the family and the authorities for punishment. But if they concluded that he was innocent, they allowed him to stay in the city of refuge under their pro protection until the death of the high priest. Then he was free to go home. If the man was guilty, I'll just say, he was stoned to death. Because even before the law of Moses was introduced, God did introduce capital punishment for those who were guilty of murder. Now, you say... Uh, okay, so what could we be possibly, how could we possibly be inter interested in a few cities, six of them to be exact, that were ordained in the Old Testament for, for guilty of manslaughter to run to for safety? Well, what I want to tell you today is that when you open up this Bible and as we read through Old Testament as well as New, what you'll find is you can find Jesus on nearly every page of the Bible. This book is trying to point and teach us lessons about the Lord Jesus Christ. And even in some of these what seem to be obscure passages about cities and people guilty of manslaughter and things like that, there's actually great pictures of the Lord Jesus Christ. All the way back up into the book of Hebrews, uh, if you'd like to turn there, just write this verse down. Hebrews chapter number 16, there's a mention and a reference back to these cities of refuge. In Hebrews 6, verse 18, the Bible says that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation, listen to this, who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us. 
So there's a reference there saying that for those of us who are saved by the grace of God, that the way we became saved by the grace of God was not by becoming church members, was not by being born into some Christian family, it was not by going through baptism. It wasn't through good works. But what he's saying is when we learn the truth about ourselves and that, that truth about us and all men is that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And, uh, and I hope you remember, but I can remember the day when that became painfully obvious to me. And now I realized that I sinned, but I didn't really like to admit the fact that I was a sinner. But there came a time in my life when I came face to face with the fact that I was indeed a sinner. Because just like an apple tree is an apple tree because it bears apples, the reason I bear sin is because I'm a sinner. I was born a sinner. We all were. But see, the problem with that sin is the wages of sin is death. Now furthermore, out of God's love for you and for me, uh, Jesus Christ paid for my sins. So one of the things I realized, now I didn't realize it in these terms necessarily, but because of my sin, all of a sudden I am now guilty of the death of someone that's innocent. How is that? Because it was my sin and it was your sin that caused Jesus to die. And so in a sense, we're guilty of manslaughter. We're sinners. We're si sinners in that sense. But we are also responsible for the death of someone else. And so when we think about this today, we can see a very real uh, illustration of what the Bible says. Now, one of the cool things about these cities of refuge, and I'm just going to go through them quick because what you're going to find out is the Bible says there in Hebrews 6, 18, we fled, we ran to Jesus. Because when I saw my need for, a, for salvation, I didn't run to the church. I didn't run to a priest or a preacher. I, I didn't run again to the river to get baptized. I ran to Jesus. Amen? Because I'm telling you, salvation is not in a place. Salvation is not in a practice. But salvation is in a person. And I just got to stop and say this morning, I'm glad I know that person. Amen? I'm glad I know him today because I'm telling you, I fled to him for refuge. Amen? I found out I was guilty of sin. I found out there was a pursuer. I gave the, uh, the story of Marcus Luttrell because just as the Taliban was pursuing him, I'm telling you, judgment is pursuing every one of us. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. I'm telling you, it's after you. <laughs> it's on your trail. Now, you may find some refuge, refuge in some places that you think are safe, but, uh, but I'm telling you, it reminds me, all of us have read books or maybe seen movies to where someone is trying to escape a pursuer, a stalker, uh, someone that's uh, wishing them harm. And maybe you can just imagine that person on the phone saying, yeah, I think I've made it to a place of safety. And then the camera pans out and the person that's after him is sitting there watching them the whole time. Uh, you know, just that awful feeling. Well, that's kind of how, uh, how death is for us. It is pursuing us. Judgment, payment for sin is pursuing us. But I am so glad for the wonderful day that I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I went, ran for Jesus to the refuge. I fled to this city of refuge, and that's who Jesus is. He is that refuge. That's what these, picture, that's what these cities picture. So if you'll bear with me a moment, I want to show you some ways in which these cities picture the Lord Jesus Christ. Number one, I love this. I love the fact that the Bible says that there were to be six cities of refuge. And so the purpose for that was these six cities were spread about in such a way to where salvation and refuge was never
never very far. The Holy Land was about the size of Maryland. It was about, uh, it was about uh, you know, an eighth the size of South Dakota, to put that into perspective. And so among that, there's six cities that if a man was guilty of manslaughter, that he could run and find safety. It was close by. God ordained these places that they would be close. And I want to tell you something today. Salvation is close. Amen? I mean, listen, the Bible says it this way in, in Romans chapter 10, verse 13. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I mean, I love what the Bible says about, you know, about the verse where it talks about that, how that now is the accepted time. But it says the word is near thee, it's nigh thee, even in thy mouth, that if thou shalt confess with the Lord Jesus Christ and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. I am so glad that God has made salvation so close. I mean, in other words, how close is it? It's as close as you turning and putting your faith and trust in Christ today. I mean, I'm glad that when, listen, when I got saved, I heard the gospel message in a church uh, very similar to this one, at a funeral. I wasn't, I wasn't raised in church. I wasn't a church-going person. But as a 16-year-old, I came into a church or a funeral service, and I heard the gospel. You say, what's the gospel? Well, it means good news, but I heard the fact, I heard about something that I'd always believed. I had heard about the fact that Jesus died on the cross and rose again the third day. Uh, but that day, I finally found out and realized why he did it. He died on the cross for me and for my sins. He rose again the third day for my justification. And then if I would believe on him, if I would trust him, if I would repent, turn to him, that he would save me. I heard that message at the funeral. Now, I didn't understand it all, but God got a hold of my heart that day. But so... Salvation was near. How near was it? Well, I wasn't at church. I was at home. I guess it was probably two or three in the morning when uh, a series of events of, of, of a really uh, bad uh, string of choices led me to, the, to hit rock bottom, led me to the end of my rope to where I realized that what I really needed was Christ. Drugs wasn't going to fix it. Religion wasn't going to fix it. Only Jesus could fix it. And I'm glad that I ran to that refuge. But the good thing is I didn't have to go very far. And I literally just had to turn and accept the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, uh, so one thing about this is those cities were all made to be close. Another great thing about the cities of refuge is God is the one who ordained these cities. I'm glad that it's God who made a way for you and I to be saved. If, if you can hear me today, I want you to understand something very important. The Lord knows exactly who you are today. The Bible says he, he has the very hairs of your head numbered. I mean, listen, He knows your thoughts. He knows everything you've ever done. He knows everything about you. And let me tell you something today. He's crazy about you. He loves you so much. He loves you so much that He sent His darling Son to die on the cross at Calvary. He loves you so much to let you know that there is a refuge in Him, that if you'll just put your faith and trust in the Lord, that He will save you from that avenger that's on your trail. Folks, it's a, so not only is it a close, not only was it ordained by God, but I like what the Bible says in verse 15 of chapter 35. The Bible says, These six cities shall be a refuge both for the, the children of Israel and for the stranger and for the sojourner and for everyone that killeth any person unawares. Amen. You know one of, the, one of the things I love about salvation? 
I love about the Lord Jesus Christ that he will save anybody. The Bible says it's a whosoever will salvation. I'm telling you what, from the, from, the, from the uttermost to the guttermost, it doesn't matter. God will save, and it is His will that all be saved. Amen? I mean, listen, there are those today that, that says God picks and chooses. But I'm telling you what, the Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Whoever was willing to flee and believe and trust that if they got to this city, they would be saved, they would be saved. And I'm telling you, if you'll believe today that in Jesus Christ is salvation, in Jesus Christ is forgiveness, you can run to that city today, you can run to the Savior today, and be saved by the grace of Almighty God. Now, uh, again, I've already said this, but I'll emphasize it again. The reason that we're in danger of judgment today is because of sin. And that's something that we've all got to be willing to admit today, that that, that in order for that person to flee to the city of refuge, they had to say, you know what, I'm guilty. I'm guilty. Not of premeditated, but I'm guilty. Just like us, we're guilty. We were born into sin. And if you're not willing to admit today, see, because when we come to the Lord for salvation, you come to the city of refuge, so to speak. You weren't carrying a lot of stuff with you because you're trying to get out as fast as you can. And when you come to the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, I love what the old song says, Nothing in my hands I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. We don't come to the Lord saying, Oh God, you know, here I come. I'm going to trust in you. And by the way, God, I've got my baptism certificate, and I've got my confirmation, and I've got my church membership, and I've got the fact that I'm a great guy. And Jesus, I think I'll add you to it as well. That's not the way a person gets saved. We come to the Lord empty-handed. We come to the Lord and just say, God, I don't have anything. I, I need All I've got to offer you is my sin. Amen. And aren't you glad? You talk about a deal. God will take your sin and he'll trade it for his righteousness. And so whosoever will is, a, is welcome to come into this city. Now, and to this Savior, this Savior, the Bible says in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, that there's no other name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. Salvation is only through Jesus Christ. He's the way, the truth, and the life. There wasn't other cities besides these six that were designated for you to go to. And I'm telling you, the one way to be saved today is through Jesus Christ. He's the only way. But again, the only way you can come is by faith. You've got to believe. God wanted it to be easy. One of the great things about these cities that, that's, that's said about these six cities that the doors were always left open and they were never locked. There was always the opportunity to be saved. Now, I, I do want to say this. The Bible does say that you better that to call on the Lord while He is nigh. Because although salvation is close, although salvation is near, I'm telling you, if you're here today and you're not sure that you're saved, or maybe you just know that you need to be forgiven of your sins, you know you need to have a relationship with Christ. Man, if you're that way today, you don't, you don't say, oh, great, it, uh, you know, I'm, I'm safe, I can just wait a week or two, I can, be, I can just wait. Listen, you need to work. When, whenever God's speaking to your heart, whenever He's knocking on your door, that's when you need to respond. Because we're not promised tomorrow. It reminds me of a story I heard. Uh, there was a preacher that got up and he preached on hell, as Jesus often preached on. And as he was preaching on hell, there was, uh, there was two or three teenagers that, uh, that were kind of mocking throughout the course of the service. 
And after the service was over, uh, the, the teenagers met the preacher at the back door and mocking once again at the idea of hell being a real place. Uh, they mocked as they left and they asked the preacher, so preacher, so hell, huh? And they said, so how far is hell from here? You know, just a, another mocking word as they left the parking lot and skid out of the parking lot. And those boys didn't make it more than two miles down the road as they were turning and going around a sharp curve before they were involved in a fatal accident. You want to know how far away hell was for them? Two miles. To answer their question, we don't know. We don't know. Now, God doesn't want you to go to hell. The Bible says hell was created for the devil and his angels. That's why Jesus came. That's why he's done all that, that he can to give you the opportunity. But God will not force you to be saved. He's paid the penalty. He's paid the price. So one of the cool things is the doors were left open. Another cool thing is these cities were sitting there. They were there all the time. All, all, of, all of the life of the children of Israel, these cities were there in existence. And it makes me think a lot of salvation. A lot of us don't even realize it or maybe didn't realize it before we got saved. But man, the Lord was there. The opportunity was there. It's not something that we have to try to achieve. It's something that He has already done. The way has already been provided. Now, there's a couple other cool things. Now, the Bible says that you would stay in the city of refuge until the high priest died. Now, again, in the book of Hebrews, it gives the reference to the city of refuge that we have fled to, for refuge to the Lord Jesus Christ. But in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, the Bible says, Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. Listen to this. Seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. It's another idea connected with the cities of refuge. Folks, how long, once you, go into the, once you go into the city of refuge, once you put your faith and trust in Christ, how long are you safe for? Well, until the priest dies, amen? Well, guess what? Our high priest is never going to die. He ever lives to make intercession for us. Therefore, he's able to save to the uttermost. There's a few other cool pictures involved in the cities of refuge that we, that we, that we learn from Jewish history. So one of the things that we learn from Jewish history, and we can see this in other places referred to in the Bible, but that the roads leading to the city of refuge were always kept in thorough repair. Every spring, these roads were cleared. These roads were prepared. The roads to the refuge were cleared, and they were, they were required to be about 48 feet wide. Now, that's pretty wide and broad for an ancient road, but the... the, the has the roads leading to the city of refuge had to be cleared, had to be maintained. All obstructions had to be removed that the, that the flyer's foot may not be hindered as he flees. Not only that, but if there was a river that was between a river, a creek, a ravine that was between the city of refuge and the slayer, the person that was looking for refuge, they would have to have a bridge that would go, a bridge was required to go across rivers, to go across any obstacle because God wanted to make sure that the way was prepared, that the way was safe, that the way was cleared, that people could come for salvation. Not only that, but at every turn, there were posts that were erected that, in, in, with a big old sign that said refuge this way. 
refuge this way i mean listen you talk about an awesome thought and when 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 once settled in the city this is great when once you got into one of the cities of refuge there was a convenient habitation that was assigned to him the citizens were to teach him some trade that he might support himself and the cities were stocked with provision go back to that idea of fleeing Go back to the idea of those, uh, just take yourself back to that day of the children of Israel. One of the illustrations God gave was imagine somebody is uh, chopping wood and the axe handle flies off and goes, hits somebody in the head and kills them. Well, you didn't mean to do it. Uh, And so, but you know that because of that, somebody's coming after you. So now all of a sudden, you have to drop and leave everything to run to one of these cities of refuge. You probably don't have time to pack or carry a bunch of things with you. You come into the city empty-handed. But you find out when you get there, there's plenty. When you find out when you get there, there's already a place for you. You find out when you get there that there's plenty of food for you. You find out when you get there that there's a job in the city for you. I don't know about you, but when I got saved by the grace of God, it was a little scary, in a sense, in that I was turning my back on everything I'd ever known. I was turning my back on that which I had taken comfort in. I mean, I can remember vividly being there at that moment. It felt like I was at a crossroads where God was working on my heart and I was about to accept Christ as my Savior. But then I paused for a moment and thought, wait, if I accept Christ, I was looking down this other road. I'm like, everything I've been planning is going to change. I was, you know, I personally was into drugs and things of that nature. And so, so... But that wasn't going to be the case anymore. I didn't know what, I didn't know what lay ahead of, for me in Christ. But I knew one thing. I realized my need for Him. And I realized His love for me. And I said, you know what? I'm going to enter in anyhow. Amen. Lord Jesus, please forgive me. Be my Savior. He saved my soul. But listen, when I got in, guess what I found out? There was a place for me there. That's what the city's refuge were about. There was a place for me. Amen. God had a church set aside for me. God, I mean, I walked into this this church, and all of a sudden, man, I found a group of loving, caring people with all kinds of different backgrounds and walks of life that just welcomed me in with open arms and begin to be a blessing and an encouragement to my heart and to my soul. There was a place for me there. Not only did I find out there was a place for me there, I found out also there was plenty of provisions there. But I want to tell you something. Man, God has been so good to me. Anybody else? God has blessed me so much. I can tell you right now, isn't it a foolish thing if you can think back to if if you did like me and, and you teetered and you wondered and you thought, man, If I accept Christ, I'm turning my back on these other things. Maybe you're turning your back on your religion. Maybe you're turning your back on whatever it may be. Maybe you know there's a price to be paid. But you say, I'm going to do it. But man, once you get in Christ, you're thinking, how could I have ever thought that? Because I'm telling you what, there's not been a day that I've ever regretted knowing Jesus Christ. Amen? Boy, I'm telling you what, I I mean, you're looking at somebody today that has been so blessed. I can remember the joy that flooded my heart when I accepted Christ as my Savior. And I'm telling you, I have not got over that joy yet. And it's been over 20 years. Man, I guess, I think I'm getting old enough to where I think next year it's going to be 30 years uh, since I accepted Christ as my Savior. 
And I'm telling I can, I can remember specifically, after I got saved, I can remember sharing with uh, uh, some of the people my excitement. I can remember going to a service. As a matter of fact, the Rochester family was singing in this service. And I got so excited in that service as the, the, the preacher got up and preached about heaven, the, the Rochesters got up and sang. And man, I got so excited in that service that I started shouting. Amen. You know, that's a good biblical thing to do, by the way. I mean, listen, the Bible tells us repeatedly to shout. But I, I started shouting, man. I, I just got so excited. I was praising God. I was a hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Woo! You know, I mean, just, boy, that was loud. I think I busted something. But anyway, uh, I was so excited. And I can remember specifically, I was, and you know, know something else? I was actually hoarse by the end of that service, Zach. And now the last, ten, and, see, and, and you've got to put things in perspective. The last time that I was hoarse from shouting and carrying on was when I went to a Hank Jr. concert just a few months before. <laughs> All right? And so I left there, and I couldn't talk for like, you know, another 24 hours. But, so here I, but now here I, so I'm not shouting for Hank, uh, but now I'm shouting for Jesus, amen? And I'm shouting what, for what he did for me. I mean, you put it in perspective. Well, afterwards, Christian, uh, we, uh, it was me and a buddy of mine, we rode to that revival with the song leader from a church, great, great godly man and his, his uh, wife, just a great couple, uh, but, but, but they're driving us back home and, and he, he says to me, he says, boy, he said, you boys sure got excited tonight, didn't you? And I'm like, yeah, man, it's just, just good to be saved. And by the way, let me just add this in there if I could, I have people come to me sometimes and say, preacher, I got so excited today, I almost shout. I say, why didn't you, Amen. I mean, see, sometimes we're too worried about getting embarrassed, but we ought to just be more concerned about giving glory to God. But anyway, I, we was, he said, well, you guys got excited tonight, didn't you? I was like, man, it, yeah, we got excited. Man, hallelujah, man. It was so, but I was like, yeah, it's great, man. You know, that's how I was actually doing. And uh, now, understand this. I wasn't raised in church or something, so I didn't know any better. And so he just looked back at me, Brother Beck, and he says, he says well, you know what? He says, he said, well, he just kind of laughing a little bit, and he says, well, you know, he said, you boys enjoy that. You boys enjoy that. He said, because that, that feeling don't last very long. That don't last very long. So y'all just go ahead and enjoy it now. Now, it was a little bit, it was, I guess it was a little bit of a discouraging statement, but I didn't think of it that way, honestly. I just, I didn't know any better. I just believed him and thought, well, and you know what I thought to myself? Here's what I literally remember thinking to myself that day. Well, I'm just going to enjoy it till it goes away, I guess. <laughs> Let me tell you something, it's going to be 30 years next year. Amen. <laughs> I still enjoy it, amen. I'm still glad I'm saved. I still have the joy of the Lord. Folks, you say, are you a nut? I may be a nut, but I'm screwed on the right bolt, amen. I'm excited today. I mean, listen, I get excited over Carolina basketball, but they let me down every once in a while. But I'm telling you what, I get excited over Jesus. He never lets me down. See, if you know what he did for me, it's just what he did for you. And if you saw where he brought me from, it's just where he'll bring you from. You'll understand that within Jesus Christ, folks, there's plenty of provisions. Amen. There's a place for you. There's provisions in the city. And uh, not only that, there's a job to do. They had, uh, they had an occupation for the people when they come into the city of refuge. And I want to tell you, if you're saved by God's grace, He's got a job for you. He's got a purpose for your life. He has a calling for you today. And I think about that. You know, going back to getting to the city of refuge, child of God, you know one of, one of our jobs today is to help others find the way to Jesus? It's our job to help remove some of those obstacles. 
You know, Jesus condemned the Pharisees because he said they shut up the kingdom of heaven to those sinners that were trying to get to God. There's still Pharisees that do that today. Shut up the kingdom of heaven, shut up the windows, if you will, uh, and, and put hindrances and obstacles. Man, I'm telling you what, it's not our job to make obstacles, it's our job to clear obstacles. I'm not out trying to reform some sinner, amen. I'm out trying to get some sinner to Jesus, amen. And watch Jesus do the work in their heart and life. I mean, remove obstacles out of their way. I mean, that's why the Bible says we need to be able to give an answer to all those that ask us of the hope that's within us. We need to remove obstacles. People have questions. We need to remove obstacles. We need to be, we need to be careful about getting drawn in to the divisive nature of 2021. The divisive nature, the day that we live in. People are trying to get you polarized on one side or the other. Folks, listen, I'm more concerned about seeing somebody saved than trying to switch their political view or their cultural view. I want to have answers for my political and cultural view, but ultimately, man, folks need Jesus more than anything. Don't get caught in that division. Don't put, put obstacles in people's way. I mean, listen, so help, help remove obstacles. Help make the way to clear. Point people in the right direction. Point people in the right direction. Let them know, hey, it's Jesus. Hold up a sign, amen. There had to be signs. There had to be clear markers. Folks, everything we do ought to be pointing people to Jesus. I mean, we ought to be trying to get somebody to Jesus. That's our job. Among whatever else it may be that we're called to do, we're called to make the path clear. Now, there's something that you do need to understand, though, is that outside of getting into one of these cities, a person was vulnerable. A person was open to the avenger catching up with them. There's an old story that you may, be, may or may not be familiar with. It's called The Appointment in Samara. The Appointment in Samara. See, people, death is pursuing you. Judgment is going to catch you if you're not saved by the grace of God. You can try to hide in religion, but I'm telling you, that's not a safe refuge. You can try to hide in your own reason and logic, but that's not a safe refuge. The avenger can still get there. And you're still ultimately going to have to answer and pay the penalty for your sin. Our good news is Jesus has already paid the penalty for that sin. But think about this in the fact that there's no other refuge. There was a merchant in Baghdad who sent his servant to market to buy provisions. In a little, in, in a little while, the servant came back white and trembling and he said master just now when i was in the marketplace i was jostled by a woman in the crowd she looked at me with a threatening gesture and when i looked i realized it was death he's out in the market in baghdad and meets death and she makes a threatening gesture toward this servant so the servant comes back and tells his master, he said, lend me your horse and I will ride away from this city to avoid my fate. I will go to Samara and their death will not find me. The merchant lent him his horse and off the servant went. He dug in his spurs into the horse's flanks and as fast as that horse could gallop, off he went to Samara. The merchant went down to the marketplace and he saw death still there standing in the crowd. He came to death and he said, Why did you make a threatening gesture to my servant when you saw him this morning? Death spoke to the, merchant, or to the master and said, That was not a threatening gesture. It was only a start of surprise. I was astonished to see him in Baghdad for I had an appointment with him tonight 
in Samara. So this man thought he saw death in Baghdad. Death was startled only because death thought, man, I'm going to meet you in uh, Samara tonight. What are you doing here? The man flees to Samara trying to escape death. Death already had an appointment to meet him there. The point that I'm just trying to simply make is this. Outside of Jesus Christ, there is no refuge. And listen, I, I, I'm not just trying to say that Jesus is some kind of fire escape or some way to escape, escape hell. He's so much more than that. But I just do want to be very plain in the fact that there is judgment coming. And we will have to answer for our sin. As we all stand this morning and Sonia comes, the great news is, is Jesus has already paid the price.